as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson, also a Big Shiny Robot. And I am Brooke Heim of a future upcoming project that we should be announcing soon. Nice! Always good to see you and learn what you're up to. So this week was pretty slow. We only got uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, And then Andy uh, spent the weekend at South by Southwest, and he's got some cool stuff to talk about from there. Uh, But first, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, It takes place in kind of the universe. Uh, That's what J.J. Abrams has said, uh, as the original Cloverfield did. Uh, It stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Michelle, who at the very beginning... Looks like she's had some kind of fight or argument with her fiancé uh, and skips town. Hops in her car, takes off, and you know, in the middle of the night she's driving, gets in a car at wreck, and suddenly the next day wakes up in some kind of cell on a mattress. Uh, she's got a brace in her knee, and she's handcuffed to the wall. Um, enter Howard, who's played by John Goodman, who explains that, hey, uh, you were in a car accident, your car went over the railing, I saw you, I brought you back here. Uh, We're in a bunker under my farm because there was some kind of attack. The air outside is poison, and if we go out there, we'll die. So I saved your life, but you're stuck with me now, and you need to follow my directions and my rules. Um, The only other person is Emmett, who's played by John Gallagher Jr., who helped uh, Howard build this bunker. And that's about all I can really say. I mean, the the fun of this movie is really figuring out where it's going to go, what's happening, um, is Howard a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he crazy? Is he good at everything? Is there really an attack? Um, and to say any more would really do a disservice to anyone who hasn't seen it yet, uh, which I highly, highly recommend you go out and see right away because uh, this movie is fantastic. Uh, Andy, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those films that the less you know going in, I think the more you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, if you've seen Cloverfield you can kind of put it out of your mind. It doesn't really have anything to do with that specific story. If you haven't seen Cloverfield, fine. Then then you can just go in and do this. But this is so great because it really took a very beautiful, minimalist aesthetic to establish this. You have three people in a bunker. And that's it. That's all you really get in this movie. I mean, there's yeah. a couple scenes with a person that you might see or hear, but this movie lives and dies by these three actors. Yeah, and, and it's and it's very confining. You feel how small and oppressively close this place is, and so it really becomes all about the actors. And, man, John Goodman is maybe the best he's ever been in this, because he goes from, like kind of the funny crazy like he's a conspiracy theorist to the like oh my gosh this guy's super scary crazy and he does it almost on a dime and it it's very jarring uh speaking of jarring the the opening like five minutes of this film i thought was just absolutely beautiful you hear almost no dialogue you are completely just watching what's going on, and then suddenly 
there's this ultra violent car crash and you're in the car spinning around with Michelle and it's incredibly disorienting and then like and then like the credits pop up and it's yeah. just <laughs> oh my gosh it was like you didn't realize how tense it was until you got that tension break and then you're like oh <laughs> okay <laughs> it, but the whole movie is like that they built so much tension in here and it was it was just really well put together these three actors work so well together it's great to see john gallagher doing other things i i think he's great and and underappreciated and it's good to see mary elizabeth winstead doing things again exactly i mean like you know she's the most well known for being um uh, ramona in you know scott pilgrim versus the world uh but what's yeah you you mentioned the john goodman the way he can you know flip on a, a dime and turn to a different kind of person almost um, it really reminded me of Rosamund Pike in Gone Girl, how she would just be the sweet, yep. innocent, you know, loving or, or, you know, or in other words, you're also sad or crying, whatever, and like that would just switch over and be this crazy, like, evil, conniving person. Uh, I mean, he does, John Gilpin, there's a scene where he's being all incredibly tense and um, angry, and then says, well, I feel like music now, and kind of shimmies his butt over to the jukebox, and you're like, who is this person? Um... Yeah, it just it does such a good job of really keeping you guessing, um, not really knowing anyone's intentions because we're not given a backstory. You know, we we have what the characters have told us that they want us to believe, and you know, who knows if it's real, who knows if it's fake. Um, it did plenty of little plot twists and red herrings to follow around. Uh, so yeah, the story's great, and amazingly too is uh, the director Dan Trachtenberg. This is his first movie. I mean, he's done some short films. He did a little uh, Portal fan film from a couple years ago that I'm sure everyone saw. But this guy has proven that he's just got an eye for for the movie making. And I'm very, very excited to see what he does next. But, yeah, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, I'm, I'm about, I'd say, 8, 8.5 if I'm kind of going back and forth. Uh, the last 15 minutes totally shifts like crazy. Uh, I know some people haven't liked that. I, I had fun with it. I liked the ending. I think it was a logical conclusion to what was happening. Um, but I know some people out there who are kind of miffed about how things happened. I was going to say, I've heard that a lot, that people are a little torn about the last 10 to 15 minutes. But having not seen it, <laughs> I, I'm just very excited to get to, to and, see and Brooke, how it plays this, out. This is a movie you'll, you'll enjoy too because you know we've been talking about how it's been such a good year for strong female roles. And Michelle is just an amazingly kick-ass woman and she you know she takes care of herself and you know gets in situations and gets herself out of situations that you know would leave me in a you know quivering heap so uh, <laughs> I know the point you'll definitely enjoy because her character is just a total badass yeah and I've heard that from multiple people um, who you know span the spectrum of feminist to non-feminist male and female like no matter where they fall on that they they've loved her character so I'm, I'm really excited to see it yeah, and she's she's very good at elucidating the larger theme of the movie, which I felt is really all about freedom versus security. Mm -hmm. You have John Goodman saying, like, I can keep you safe and I can keep you protected, but here's the rules, and you have to do exactly what I say always when I say it, and or else, or else there's going to be consequences and you don't want to go outside 
because you'll die. There's like there's a great episode of Rick and Morty where Morty finds himself raising an alien child, and in order to control this violent alien child, he tells it that the air outside is poison. Um, and uh, no, it's it's and so he's like, you have to stay in the house because it's dangerous out there. And it there's a lot like that where if you think about it and you think about our our context of where we are right now, uh, the issue freedom versus security couldn't be more well placed. And yeah. and and so I think that's a that's a great message and you you flip a lot of that by making your hero a female and there's very obviously like sexual issues and patriarchal issues uh, that that come into this while while not maybe as as overt and um, and in some ways as well done as in Mad Max Fury Road you do get a touch of that I don't want to overplay it because that's not the the main purpose of this film it's mostly just about creating a tense character drama and trying to figure out what's real what's not real what's really going on who's lying who isn't uh and and we're just along for the ride it's great so so what do you give it i'm at the i'm at the same place eight eight and a half so i'll go with eight i I've seen too many other really great things this week at South by Southwest. <laughs> that as as good as as Ten Cloverfield Lane is, um, there's some stuff coming up in the next, even just this week that that's going to blow this out of the water. Yeah, so uh, good movie, definitely the recommend. Go see it. Um, and you know, for me, it was a surprise too because I wasn't really a big fan of the first Cloverfield. Uh, I don't know what it was. It was it was something during the scene where they're in the sewers. Uh, where those little weird creatures started attacking them. Something around then just flipped off my brain, and I just couldn't enjoy it anymore. I, to this day, I don't know why, but, you know, this, it's not found footage. It's shot like a, you know, a standard movie. Um, but, yeah, it's it's excellent. Definitely check it out. Uh, solid aids for both of us. So that's kind of our recommend for big theater releases this week. But, Andy, uh, South by Southwest, so what? Give me the best and give me the worst you've seen. Oh, wow. Well, the best <laughs> I've seen, uh, last night at the Paramount Theater in downtown Austin at midnight, uh, we were joined by Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele, who premiered their new movie, Keanu, about them trying to rescue their cute little kitty. And in order to do so, they have to change from these like button-down, suburban, mild-mannered guys into... Pre- into their new alter egos of Tectonic and Shock Tank. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> this is this is classic Key and Peele, where they're able to uh, play with these uh, these racial issues and uh, cultural issues of how how white people view uh, African Americans, especially how they view elements of African American culture as threatening versus how, um, like African Americans view like white culture. <laughs> and, um, rather than it being heavy handed, just really funny. And, and at the heart of all of this, it's just a really cute story about trying to get this kitty back. Keanu is just this great action comedy 
and at the heart of it, it's just rescuing this cute little kitty. The the only problem I have with it is that the cat kind of disappears for the middle, like, 20, 30 minutes while they're off, like, doing drug deals and, like, other stuff. Um, the cat is just awesome. And I feel like if you're off doing drug deals, you're really not going to worry about a cat, though, so... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so funny, though, because it's, like, this Shakespearean-level comedy of errors mixed with like zany Mel Brooks kind of comedy and uh, I don't know maybe like some three amigos mistaken identity sort of stuff in there it's really hard to compare to other films it's really easy to compare to Ian Peele who I mean this is their movie and it shows that they're legit that they're they're ready for prime time and this is just absolutely masterful. I'm at a nine and a half out of ten. Oh wow! So you love that? Seen a funnier movie than this in a long, long, long time. Cool. Yeah. Well, I remember I've seen the, the posters for it, but I didn't know really anything about it. So that's good to know. Um, the one thing I was kind of worried about when I saw Kim Peel was they have a tendency, at least in their on their show sometimes take a bit, maybe like a little bit too far to where it gets kind of old. So is that in this movie at all, or is it evenly paced pretty well? It's it's extremely well paced, and I was worried the same thing. That The other thing I was worried about is they're so good at sketch comedy, is you, you sometimes take movies based on, like, a great idea from, like, a Saturday Night Live sketch, and it's just an hour and a half of a concept that really doesn't need more than three to five minutes Mm -hmm. Uh, or where they're just moving from like funny thing to funny thing to funny thing and there's no emotional through line this is a movie about identity and this is a movie about these guys finding themselves thanks to an adorable little kitty cat and this it's very silly, but everything works very organically with uh, with where they're going. There's, if you've seen the trailer, you you know that like there's a, a whole thing with them trying to trying to say that like George Michael is super gangster. <laughs> that goes on for like five minutes, and it's really funny. Uh, it's it's just great as they're like trying to mentor these like street thugs and like teach them how to be hardcore and uh yeah of course they're just these like straight laced suburban guys uh (laughs) and it's it's just really a lot of fun um it's very r-rated there's a lot of violence uh nudity drugs um but there's also celebrity cameos and uh, and and other great random things like that. So just incredibly well done. Uh, oh, and for fans of Key and Peel, there are a couple little Easter eggs and shout outs in there. Like like at one point they go to a, a movie and it's with Liam Neeson's. So but like they they take that and like they mention it and then they don't talk about it again. <laughs> like the little Liam Neeson's shout out, and then it's like, yeah, we know that that's a thing, and so it's a little, it's a little wink, but it doesn't get overbearing. Nice. Uh, that's the best thing. Um, 
probably the worst thing I've seen. I haven't seen anything that I absolutely hated, but um, we talked a few weeks ago, Adam, about the Greasy Strangler. Mm -hmm. I went ahead and saw that, and I think that's... I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the worst thing that I've seen. Uh, the way that I described it, talking to you, was like, I felt like the director had this perfect sense of aesthetics, like what what would be pleasing to the eye and the ear, what makes sense, and then at every opportunity decided to do the exact opposite. Yeah. And, um, so it's just really off-putting. Um, I've talked about this before, so I, I don't need to go into that much more detail about it. Uh, one, one quick shout-out, though. I did see Midnight Special, and that film is amazing. Everybody get your tickets to it now. I'm not going to do the full review because it comes out this coming Friday, and we'll talk about it on next week's episode uh, after you've had a chance to see it, Adam, because this is... this is, Like, 10 Cloverfield Lane is great. Mm -hmm. Midnight Special is the first absolute must-see sci-fi movie of the year. I'm, I'm absolutely in love with it, and... Um, and that I'm also that I'm also in kind of the same realm as Keanu, but we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it more next week. Yeah, something to look forward to. So, um, okay. So the big question of the week is: How many times did each of you watch the Captain America Civil War trailer? Oh, I decided not to watch it. Oh, really? No, I'm kidding. I saw it like fifty <laughs> times. <laughs> I could, like, I really. I hate trailers. I hate spoilers. I hate seeing a preview for something. And I couldn't stop watching it. Mm-hmm. But I'm Team Tony, so... Oh, shame. I know. Shame. I know. And this trailer made me even more so. Like, You know, I, I agree. <sighs> I'm, I'm Team Cap, but this was the first trailer where I was like... I'm kind of feeling Team Tony, and that's what makes me more excited about this, is I am going to get my own heart ripped apart. There's going to be civil war in my soul over the divisions that are happening here. Yeah, I feel like this is the first one that made it about what civil war is supposed to be about, not about who's better friends with who, but actually the politics behind civil war and why... It's supposed to be happening anyways. Like, are do we need to be registered? Are we agents of the government? Like, what is our purpose? And this this seemed like legitimately the first trailer to really get into that stuff. And I I understand why people wouldn't be on Team Tony, but I am. So there. You know, I was hanging out with some of the Geek Show guys yesterday, and we were all talking about it. You know, the trailer was big in our minds. Um, and so, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read the comics, so skip ahead or something. But we were all in agreement, agreement that the movie has to follow the logical progression of the comic and needs to end with the death of Captain America. And so my question is, um, do you think they're going to go through with that, or do you think they're going to leave at the end where, you know, no one really dies, they may not be friends anymore, but, you know, they'll they'll all still come back together again to fight Thanos in the Infinity Wars. I think they're going to do it. I think they kind of have to. Yeah, I like, I don't know, I think they are. This movie needs a body count. And it, 
I mean, it just has to demand it because first of all, we have to start like thinning the herd of Avengers because the world is getting too big. Um, I think I think Cap probably dies. I think Hawkeye possibly dies. Uh, of course, I thought Hawkeye was going to die in Age of Ultron. Well, that's why Whedon's is a great director because he telegraphed that death so hard the whole entire movie, and then. You know, again, you didn't see that coming, did you? You know. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I, I think that without that, it makes it harder to move that story forward, and actually makes the the threat of Thanos that much more interesting when they're going after uh, these Infinity Stones. And, you know, possibly using some sort of phenomenal cosmic power to use the reality stone to bring in uh, the Steve Rogers of another parallel universe. And so he can come back. Or use it to resurrect him somehow. Yeah, uh, because I mean... Something like that. So, like, he's not dead dead. We know Chris Evans is going to be in Infinity War because he said he is. Yeah. But... I think he's dead by the end of this movie, yeah. Brooke, what about you? Yeah, I think they're going to have to do it. I think it's, for lack of better words, it's time. It's time to start changing things up. And um, they are the Avengers, but they're, uh, I don't know. They're not necessarily, like, weak or fallible, but there are changes that need to be happening. And so I think they're going to explore those options and... I think it's going to be sad. I think regardless of what team you're on, you're going to leave this movie a little bit heartbroken. I'm and, already, it'll, and it'll make you like it even more. Yeah, I'm already a little bit heartbroken. I mean, like I said, I was team cap all the way before this. And after watching this trailer, um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling Tony Stark's arguments. And that's what made the comics so compelling was that Tony Stark wasn't wrong. He was kind of being a bastard about it, but he wasn't necessarily wrong. Um, I think Cap had the moral high ground, but he was also not 100% right. And when both sides are right, it makes it so incredibly hard. I think it's like the grown-up version of Zootopia. Like, you see people doing good things for the wrong reasons and vice versa, wrong things for the right reasons, and uh, that that movie was all cute and fluffy, bunnies and sheep, and <laughs> this one is Avengers who are going to be breaking our hearts and killing each other. Yeah, and it, Cap, you know, Cap is the natural leader of the Avengers, at least in the movie versions we've, we've gotten, so you know, the, the fact that we'll have to split up and then yeah, I mean, he. There has to be a sacrifice that will bring them together, and it's the same way that the way the Avengers were created was through the death of Coulson. I mean, you have to have that loss to make people finally step back and realize what's, what's going on, what happened, um, and to make it real for them. So, yeah, I, I have a feeling we're going to end end the movie with a funeral. Um, and for for those who haven't read this comic, please go out there and do it before you see the movie. And then also, I can't remember what it's called, but there was a one-shot that takes place right after, and it's Tony Stark by himself with Captain America's coffin. 
and just having like a one-sided conversation with him and pretty much apologizing for what happened. Um, to this day, it's my favorite comic ever. And interestingly enough, my favorite speech from a comic ever is the No You Move speech that Cap gives Spider-Man um, in one of the Spider-Man offshoots. Oh, and speaking of Spider-Man, holy shit. And yeah. speaking of Spider-Man. <laughs> hey, Underoos. Hey, guys. <laughs> oh, God. I was like, I was not expecting that. I didn't think we'd actually see him until the movie. And uh, I was at work when the trailer dropped, and uh, Jeremiah texted me. He's like, oh, my God, go watch us right now. I screamed. And I was not expecting that. That was like, oh, my God. Like I was giddy as hell. I know people are complaining about the costume. First of all, guys, there's still lots of posts to do. Get over yourselves. Quit being DC geeks and bitching about things. Uh, uh, my response on, on several people's posts was, don't care, Spider-Man. Exactly. Like, it's like, yeah, I, I don't care what the suit looks like. I care about the character. And if his suit looks a little weird and out of place, I, that's going to be the least of my concerns, as long yeah, as just... you know the character. Wait till the movie and see what it actually turns out to be. Like, yeah, come on. He's supposed to be fifteen. I I totally freaked out at that point, though. I mean, so here was my experience the first time I watched the trailer. I saw it dropped. I was in the Austin Convention Center picking up my South by Southwest badge, and I got out of the line and I went to go watch it. And I was sitting there on YouTube watching it on my phone and everything kept ratcheting up and they go to that like final scene where the two teams are like assembled and they're about to go at each other and then Tony's and I was just like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh <laughs> and then Tony Stark goes hey underoos and he shows up and I'm just like what what what, what just happened Oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was... And then I, was, I went and sat in a theater with a bunch of other uh, film critics, and we were about to watch Midnight Special together, and, and we were all just talking about Spider-Man and Captain America, and that was just, like, the coolest experience ever. Yeah, I was sitting at work and saw, like, scrolling... I wasn't really paying attention. I was scrolling past something, and I saw it come up, and I was like, oh... They clicked on it, and right then my boss started IMing me. So we were like messaging, and I was kind of paying attention. Like I said, I don't really watch trailers closely because I don't like knowing things when I go into a movie. So I wasn't <laughs> really paying attention. And and there have been like several of the you know Batman versus Superman ones that I haven't even watched. Like so I'm like watching it. Like eh, we'll see. And I'm typing something out, and all of a sudden I'm like, holy. Bucket spider, what just happened? <laughs> and then I like completely restarted it, watched it two more times, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's gonna be so good!" Yeah. And I showed it to all of my employees and made them watch it, and yeah, it it blew me away. Yeah, I did the same thing. I came home and I like, I I got my my seven year old son Jackson. I'm like, I'm gonna show you something that's gonna blow your ever loving mind. And uh, <laughs> he went crazy over it. And then, like, my wife came home a couple hours later, and I'm like, you need to watch this. And then she freaked out, and it was just like, it's so fun to show this trailer to people. And I don't, I can't remember the last time 
a trailer has been like exciting. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe that Star Wars trailer. I was thinking was the Chewie Chewie were home trailer. That was the last one that like yeah. got me, but this one did. Um, and honestly, yeah, you know, I, trailers are part of the business. You know, you kind of see them. Um, whoever's doing Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars trailers needs to do all the other ones because if you think about it, you know, they they, they give us the basic premise. They really wowed us with Spider Man. Um, but you know, like the Marva, the Batman v Superman trailer. I mean, the, the first big one, it was like, okay, here's the whole movie in two in two minutes. Go. Yeah, like, that's I, why I didn't watch it. Yeah, like, it was it was cool because it gave me a, an idea of what's coming, and I'm excited for it. But I didn't need to see, you know, the reveal of the big bad. And I didn't need to do this or you know, show us like the scene with Wonder Woman. Show that that's really cool. We don't need to see, you know, so and so doing this first. It's like. Marvel and Disney have got it down how they do their trailers, and it would behoove the other movie studios to pay them a licensing fee to make their trailers as well. Yes, we don't need to see the movie before we see the movie. Exactly, and also we don't need trailers for trailers. Just saying. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, Civil War, I'm excited to sell. I think we're all going to leave the theater heartbroken, um, but I think it needs to be done, and it needs to be made now. <laughs> now. I'm excited, and and just a little personal plug uh, for myself. At FanX in two weeks, uh, you can come and see me on Thursday the 24th at 6 p.m. at Captain America the panel, along with Carrie Jackson, Rebecca Frost, uh, Tom Winkley from Big Shiny Robot, and also one of the creators of Deadpool. Like, that's super nice. awesome. And then, and then the next day, Friday, um, well, Friday at 10 a.m., you need to stop by and see me and Brooke talk about Rocky, the Cold War, and Creed. Um, everyone does. Yeah, everyone does. <laughs> uh, but then, but then at, at 7, um, uh, show up for Getting Ready for Captain America's Civil War, uh, also featuring me and Rebecca Frost from Hello, Sweetie, uh, and some other people. But um, that'll, that'll be really awesome. Uh all three of us are doing a lot of panels at, at FanX. Um, go and look for each of our names and come to those because they're all going to be awesome panels. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. of fun. Actually, if you download the app, you can go to the App Store or the uh, Google Play Store, type in Salt Lake Comic Con. Um, you can go on the bottom. There's a things for guests. You can click on that, and then you can just scroll by last name. Uh, you can see our panel, see when we're going to be there uh, on Thursday, I've got the Evolution of Video Games, which I'll also be on with Thomas Winkley from Big Shiny Robot. Uh, Friday, I've got uh, Dr. Horrible, the tragic anti-hero. And then finally, Saturday, I will be, uh, got it the fourth time now, on the uh, LGBTQIA Moving Forward in Pop Culture panel. So that one's always a sellout, so if you want to go see us there, uh, get there soon, early, because that one gets packed. Yeah, and I will let you all know which ones I'm on next week once I get the actual names of them a little bit more secure, but I know that I have two on Thursday um, and two on Friday and one on Saturday. So. Yes, and if you're really, really nice to us, um, I know I'll be Andy and I will both have rooms down at the Monaco so if you're not skin suit and you're not going to stalk us, um, feel free to stop in we can grab I'll a drink there during also. happy hour. <laughs> oh yeah, Brooke, you'll be down there too, that's right, duh. Um, yeah, if you, and by the way, if you're planning on going to the uh, FanX and you want to get a hotel, uh, if you go to the Monaco, uh, you have to call them up and ask to do uh, in-house booking, 
and tell them you want to get the Salt Lake Comic Con rate, and you get um, your room for a hundred bucks a night, which is a crazy good deal because the Monaco's are only three hundred bucks a night. Uh, so you know, call in in-house uh, booking and go from that. I know the rooms sell out fast, so but it's the perfect place to go. It's one of the nicest hotels downtown, and you're literally across the street from the convention center, and it just makes you know, attending FanX just easy as hell. Yep. We have to find a way to get, like, adjoining rooms or something, or at least on the same floor. Uh, and I'll also be bringing uh, one of my friends up from Texas, and he'll be staying with me, Mark DeLeon, um, who is one of my co-hosts on the Who Virgin podcast. So. Nice. That'll yeah, um, I remember FanX, uh, no, Comic-Con last year, uh, 2014, uh, we were on the same floor as the Geek Show guys, and let's just say I feel sorry for everyone who was on that floor, because it was a bit, we were a bit rambunctious. <laughs> yeah, Brooke, we did the same thing uh, for Salt Lake Comic-Con a year and a half ago or whatever. 2014, yeah. 2014, and that was, yeah, that was a great time. Yeah. So, um, two last quick things before we leave you, um... First of all, the kind of sad news was the the movie, The Little Prince, uh, was scheduled to be released uh, this week coming up, and for some reason, Paramount decided just to drop the movie. So, what? as of yeah, it, <gasps> it's it's been screened in multiple countries. It's been released, I think, in Canada. It's like a ninety three percent Rotten Tomatoes. Um, my friend got a chance to see a, we'll just say she saw a copy of it somewhere. Uh, and she absolutely loved it, so I was looking forward to it. It was the best part. Uh, oh, I'm so sad. Yeah, the trailer for that was the best part of um, Anomalisa, because that movie was horrible. Uh, so hopefully it'll get a distributor soon. I mean, it's done. It's ready to go. It just needs to be put in theaters. Um, so that's kind of sad news. And then the other interesting news, actually, Brooke, I want your take on this. They're thinking about relaunching the Tomb Raider movies. Oh yeah, with Ray. Yes, and they want, oh. and they're talking. Again, this is all talk and speculation. So please don't go out there and say we said this is going to happen because we didn't. Um, yeah, Daisy Ridley uh, as Laura Cross, and I think that's a fantastic idea. I do too. I, I, I will and always have been a fan of Angelina Jolie, and I liked her um, in the Tomb Raider movies, but. Daisy Ridley, come on! Like, how can you not do that? How can you not make this happen? Like, it has to. Like, we're not saying it's going to. I'm just saying that for my existence to be complete, it needs to happen. <laughs> I think I think we'd all be pretty happy with that. So, um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you very much. Again, next week it's pretty slow. Um, I know we've got uh, Allegiant, the final movie in the series that no one gives a hell about. And uh, Andy, what was the other one you saw at South by Southwest? Midnight Special. Midnight also. Special. Um, yeah. I know they're not screening that for us, so I'll have to go and see if I can catch it a different way. So Maybe we can go see it together. Yeah, definitely. And you need to go see 10 Chlorofield Lane. Yes. <laughs> so. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. Hail Satan, and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's all right. Homie scored a key. He's gonna fly. Punk